continue now in our worship by uh, looking at God's word. I invite you to join me as we go to John chapter 13. You can follow along on the screen um, or in your pew Bible. We are in a season in the Christian calendar called Easter Tide, where we're reflecting on the joy of uh, the Lord that is given post-Easter. So uh, in the product of the resurrection is the gift that a Christian believer gets to have joy. And so we're going through different texts that are helping us to stay in a place where we're connected to Jesus and experiencing the joy beyond circumstance, uh, beyond the day-to-day, through the power of who Jesus is, uh, the risen Christ, the gift of the risen Christ to uh, be able to experience joy, uh, to know him in his fullness and all that he has done and made possible for us. And so um, we're going to explore that today through John chapter 13. Before we do, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I pray that you would be with us in this time. Uh, Would you instruct us? Would you guide us? Would you, uh, like you did for your disciples, um, show us what true love looks like so that we could be uh, models for this kind of love, that we would be examples, um, that we would uh, know forgiveness, that we would know blessing, that we would know encouragement, that we would know mercy, that we would know peace, um, and that would be an example, would be a light to all those who would look upon this church and this community, um, and they would come to know who you are and what you're really about. In your precious and holy name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. John chapter 13, we're going to be starting at verse 31, it says this. When, Jesus, uh, when he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, Where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So a couple things that we want to talk about just to get us going uh, as we're looking at this text from John chapter 13. There are two things going on in the context here that really create an important focus for this teaching. The first is that Jesus is with his disciples uh, right before he's headed to the cross, and there is a, a, a significant moment that is taking place during this teaching in the upper room. Uh, as you can imagine, any time... Uh, somebody is getting ready to die. 
and you are with them in their final hours, that there is a way by which all of the fluff goes away and there is a focus on what is most important. And so Jesus is trying to give his disciples teaching about what is most important before he heads to the cross. He has done that by example through washing his disciples' feet. He is doing it through the sharing of communion and the gift of communion that he's giving them in the upper room and the future Christian disciples. And now he is also providing the words that are the meaning behind those examples. Uh, those actions that he's taken. And so in the final hours, he is saying, what I want for my community is that you would show the love to one another that I have shown to you. Through all the days, through the last three years, the journey that they've been on, uh, all the teaching that they've heard, uh, the miracles that they'd seen, the ways in which Jesus had encouraged these disciples that had different training and background to take risks in ministry, to fail, um, and to get back up again, and to try again, as he spoke truth and love to them, and so that they could actually understand what God is about and who God is. And so he's saying, this is a new command, and most scholars think the only thing that's new here really is that now they have Jesus' clear example. That before there were teachings about love, there were instructions on uh, how the people of God in the Old Testament and the Shema were to be a people of love to serve their neighbor. But now they have Jesus who has taken that teaching and embodied it and demonstrated it for them for the last three years. And so now the emphasis is this new command. In the way that I've shown you, in the way that God in flesh and blood has shown you, would you love in this way? A new command. Put the focus on love. And to talk about love, I think we need to talk about desire. And one of the places that we find uh, an example of desire within this text first is God's desire. It's explained in, in this section in, in, in verse 31 where it's talking about the glory, the glory of God. What is the product of the glory of God? What is the purpose of the glory of God, and why does that matter when Jesus is talking about how God has glorified him, and then that is extended to the disciples. He's going to achieve the same glory that God himself has. So let's talk about God's desire. It's something that we find early as we open the pages of our Bible and in the very beginning uh, there's a way by which God's glory is revealed through the creation of the earth. As we just read, uh, Dave so wonderfully read the psalm, all of these creatures of different sizes and shapes, all made to praise God, all given life, all given the blessing of life 
that even now you could think that there are babies being born and uh, flowers are blooming and there is so much vibrant life. You know, one of the things that teaches us this is uh, our, our children, right? Yesterday I was at Cabrillo Beach and we were exploring the tide pools and my son and daughter, seven and four out there with their nets trying to catch crabs and we got visited by a pelican that got a little too close for Glory's comfort and she got upset and, uh, and, and, and there's just all these kids exploring this wonderful creation, right? And it, it teaches us that something that as adults we tend to forget, which is, um, you know, we can get so focused on our problems, we can get so focused on what's not working that we forget this divine hospitality, this God who created the earth and said, enjoy. Would you enjoy this creation out of my glory, out of the glory of who God is? His desire was to create this place, this hospitable place where you could have life, you could have a mind and a heart and a soul and a spirit to go out and explore and to see all that life would have for you. This is the great gift of God, the, the heavenly host uh, saying, come, enjoy Come participate in this life. This is the glory of God that Jesus was there to participate in all the way back at the beginning of creation. And then it gets particular with human beings in chapter 2 as uh, we know that the first humans were created from the dust of the earth. The Zoe life was breathed into them. The image of God was breathed into this dust and it animated and made the first people on earth, and they were image bearers. This great desire of God to see humanity bear his image, reflect his glory. And Jesus is the great example of that. Scripture says that Jesus is the new Adam, the one who exemplifies this heart, this desire of God himself for all of humanity. It's amazing that each person here has a light, a God-given light. One of the ways that Ronald Rollheiser uh, talks about this, about every single human person, he says this, long before we do anything explicitly religious at all, we have to do something about the fire that burns within us. What we do with that fire, how we channel it, is our spirituality. Thus, we all have a spirituality whether we want one or not, whether we are religious or not. You see, we're all born with this desire. What does desire and love have to do with one another? Well, I can only think of the ways in which I found love in my own life. Uh, I can remember early on uh, when I was dating and uh, I had just met Katie very early on. And it was a little bit of an awkward timing because Valentine's Day was coming up. And so the question was, do, we, do I ask her out on a big Valentine's Day date um, and take the risk, or do I be a coward 
and just sort of pretend like Valentine's Day doesn't exist and sort of slowly see if she likes me and then maybe I could ask her out on a real date. Well, of course, I took the cowardly option. Um, and uh, it was Valentine's Day, and I had gone to Trader Joe's. I bought a personal pizza. I was getting ready to spend Valentine's by myself or with my roommates doing not much of anything. Um, and I was driving home, and in Pasadena, there are only one-way streets. We went to school together at Fuller Theological Seminary. And so as I'm driving home, I see Katie. She was uh, walking down the sidewalk on a one-way street. And so I had decided in my mind what I was going to do is drive around the whole block and pretend that I was just driving up that road so that I could say hello to her and talk to her for a little while. And so I did that. And we ended up having this exchange. She saw the personal pizza in the car, and she asked what I was up to, probably wondering why I was such a coward to not ask her out on a Valentine's Day date. And so she graciously, graciously suggested, well, maybe we could hang out tonight. And so after that, I said, oh, okay, of course, yes. And so I spent an hour trying to plan this Valentine's Day date. <laughs> Uh, which ended up working out, and that's one of our, our formative dates in our early, uh, you know, dating life, and uh, that's how we found love, and I think what animates, you know, somebody like me to drive around the block? Uh, what is it that makes you do this? this what desire uh, just causes you to want to find love, to understand what life would have to offer, to, to know love? Um, to know love in its truest forms, in its deepest forms. And I think that this is what this teaching is really getting at. It's speaking to us about what we desire most in our, in our lives. We could ask ourselves the question, is this true? Is what Jesus is saying here actually true? That you are made to love. That you are made to be part of a community that loves one another the way that Jesus instructed love looks like? Um, would that be the fulfillment of what your heart longs for most? Um, is that the thing that you're really looking for as you search the earth? Ronald Rollheiser explains to us, he, he teaches us, I think this is very biblical, that you have this fire. So there's no, there's no need to question whether it's there or not. You feel it. You know it's there. You have desire. You have passion within you. But there's things that happen to us, right, as we walk through life, um, as we go the long road. Uh, there's things that can happen to us. There's things that can happen in the world that can do things to this fire. Uh, one of the things that can happen is we can let the fire go dim, right? We go through challenging things, maybe as we think about this last season of pandemic and all the hopes and dreams we had before and then this collapsing and difficulty. And so some of that fire, some of those dreams may uh, go out. And, and, and you might just be wondering, okay, where's my energy? Where's the things? Where's the fire that I used to have? Where's my passion? Where did it go? Or another thing that could happen to us is uh, we can be so full of fire, so full of fire 
and passion, but we don't yet know the right context for our fire, right? And so what Scripture is trying to teach us is how do we find form and focus for this fire? One of the great uh, things we need to look at in our own selves as we try and find form and focus, I think, uh, and when we talk about desire, is to think about the things within us that we're naturally drawn to. Talk about all of these things in life that, that God himself gave us that we do enjoy, but sometimes forget that it's not just so that we can enjoy it for ourselves, but that we can experience the gift of what God gave us. Now, that could look like anything from movies to music to math to cycling to crocheting, whatever it is. I don't like math, but maybe you do. Like, there's things that you love, and those things, if you, if you trace them long enough, down the line, you will discover that your passion is made for unity. That the little fire in you is made to belong to the big fire in heaven. And so you could trace it that way. You could look at the things that you really love. And they become the glory of God revealed to you. The face of God revealed to you. That God is speaking to you in ways that maybe you couldn't know until you came encounter with him and you learned from his scriptures and you understood his son and you saw, oh, this is what life is about. And then the other way that you might think about this is to think about the ways in which when you're uh, struggling, when things are not going well, why do you feel this way? Why do you feel an angst? Why do you feel a dissonance, a disconnect? When things aren't right and your heart says, this isn't right, whatever it is, when you look on the news, you hear the tragic things, you see the tragic things that your friends are going through, and you feel that, that sense like this isn't right. You know who had that experience was the disciples. The disciples, after they got this teaching from Jesus, they had to watch Jesus go and die. And as they did that, we know what their reaction to it was. The reaction was fear, anxiety, a sense of defeat, a sense like the things they gave their life to had now disappeared. The life, that they probably had come alive in ways that they never knew were even possible as they were called from different walks of ordinary life to, to embark on this great mission with Jesus. And then there they are on this great mission, and then it's all over. And the great powers of the world had come down on them and squashed them, and there were just a few of them left with no real direction or no leader. And so this light that had come alive in them was dimmed again. But then you remember the story that after Jesus rose again, he went right for them. And what he did 
was the same thing that happened at the beginning of all creation. He breathed his zoe life on the disciples. He breathed his fresh breath of life on them in order to reawaken them to this truth that was not lost at all. And maybe you need this as well. As you go through seasons of life, that we could just refocus and reorient around what is most important, this creative divine force that is the love of God that you were made for. The writer Gerard Manley Hopkins has many beautiful poems. One of them, he writes about a deadly shipwreck, one where many people died and it was really tragic. And at the end of it, he writes this final line. He says this, Let him Easter in us be a dayspring to the dimness of us. Maybe you need Jesus to Easter in you again in this season. That signs of new life become apparent to you. One of the things that I think uh, can really jump out at us as we talk about this type of love is first that we uh, as a church sometimes miss that it's not us saying that we're followers of Jesus that matters so much as that those words are represented by the kind of love that Jesus is teaching us here. That the thing that says, that Jesus says the church will become visible and shareable and people will be attracted to is the way by which we share this type of love with one another. No greater picture of this than on the day of Pentecost, where the Spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit, descended on a small group of disciples. And in that moment of ecstatic worship, of transcendence, of experiencing God in a wholly new way, the product of that experience, of that community, true community, was that the disciples decided that they would sell everything that they had. They would get everybody who was a part of this new movement together and to make sure that every person's needs were met. And so what was spoken in John 13 was then done by the disciples at the beginning of the early church as they experienced the love of God and then they extended it. And it says that by that extension, people would join them as they saw they were loving in a completely new way, an exciting way. That Easter was in them. That they were an Easter people. And so wherever they went, that's what they sought to do, was to bring new life, to bring resurrection, to bring joy. And so just three pictures that I have. I think we, we gave you a sneak peek here, but I just want to reframe and refocus us on these three things. Um, the first one is that candle, uh, if you have that. What has caused the light to go out? Is a question I want to ask you. 
Are there relationships that are undealt with, conflicts that are yet not resolved, um, and that the forgiveness that Jesus gives might be the source for you to be able to go and to forgive the people in your life. Um, that because uh, there's this conflict, there's a dimness, like the light has gone out. And not because of anything that they've done, but because of who Jesus is, it's possible for you to Easter even in their presence, to summon all the creativity, divine creativity you can in intention. Or maybe you've just gotten used to the people that are around you and the way that they'll behave and the things that they'll do, and, and, and you just need a little more intention, a reminder that love takes creativity, that uh, in every season, maybe you think you know everything, but you don't. And it would be so good if you could just take an extra moment to remind yourself that whoever you're with, the people that you love the most, that there's still a mystery. And there's still more to learn. There's still more to discover and more to love. Maybe uh, one of the ways that you could find a rekindling is to find what in the Celtic tradition is called an amankara, which means a soul friend. This is somebody that you can do life with, to share life with as in, in real true friendship. I can remember um, about eight years ago now praying for a friend. And then one day, this really strange-looking guy with boots and a big Bible came in. And uh, Dave uh, Pioric and I have been able to develop this relationship. You know, we, get to go, we go for a walk every Wednesday and just talk about life. Uh, do you have an amankara? Do you have just a soul friend, somebody that you can share life with? Uh, that is a way to rekindle this fire to be an example of this kind of fire, to discover somebody again, to pray for friends, to pray for this new energy and life force. And then another important thing we need to think about, and this is just a, a picture of a big raging fire, yeah. So some of us have a lot of passion, right? But passion can go all over the place. Uh, passion can look like hey, I like this thing, and I like that thing, and I like this thing, and I like that thing, and I, I want to put it all together, and that'll be my thing. And you know, we do this a lot with our spirituality. We take it into the marketplace, and we say, this is what I like, and this is what I like, and this is what I like. But what it does is just create this lack of focus and no roots and a lack of depth, Right? Or we try and fill the void. Maybe we try and fill the void and we, we act like Icarus. Where we're just trying to work so hard. We create these big goals and we think that if we achieve this thing uh, that we'll get what we want. And what ends up happening is we just leave a trail of devastation as our, our passions are so significant that we forget that there's people in relationships and we're willing to discard those relationships for the sake of our own goals and our own passions. We know many examples of this. And so 
We need to find the right focus for our fire. The way of Jesus, the gospel, is so important as we come to remind ourselves of this way of who Jesus is because it gives us a focus. Gives us a, a way to harness the fire. Um, one of the pictures we have of that is this final picture here of an oven, right? A fire oven. Because what that makes possible uh, as we harness the fire is to extend hospitality. To do the thing that God has done for us for each other. To host one another, to use our focused, loving fire for one another. And so would you uh, maybe take a moment and just think, how can I rekindle this? How can I refocus it? One last story uh, uh, on our vacation a few weeks ago, Katie and uh, the, our family, uh, we went on a vacation with her sister and my brother-in-law, and there's a plan that on the last night, no matter what, that we need to have a fire at, in this place called Pajaro up in Northern California where you can have a fire on the beach, and we will have s'mores, rain or shine, and <laughs> we had had a little discipline problem like right before the end of the, the trip and uh, we were, it was like a lot of wind raging on the beach and so there was a part of me that was thinking, you know, maybe we could skip s'mores this year, uh, but of course children will hear none of such things. And so we were sent out with one log, uh, no starter flame, I mean no... Uh, no um, lighter fluid, but we had just a starter log. <laughs> this is how much, <laughs> how not good at this stuff I am. And a lighter from our place we were staying at. And we went outside in this raging wind, and, and, and they were like, we got to have a fire. we got to have a fire. And so my brother-in-law is out there with the lighter trying to light all the parts of this thing, and we're blocking the wind. And eventually we got so desperate uh, for kindling that we had to go get the graham cracker box. Just start tearing up the graham cracker box, just putting in the fireplace, just praying, would you start the fire? Would you start the fire? <laughs> like, would the fire start? But eventually, the fire started. And once the fire started, then the kids had their s'mores, and there was a moment where we could experience each other again. Um, and I, I pray that whatever it takes, if you this morning need to rip up the grand cracker box in order to start the fire again, I pray that you would be willing to do that because this is what God made you to do. If you don't know the love of Jesus and the shared love of Jesus in fellowship, then tear up the graham cracker box because I promise you, Jesus doesn't command things that aren't possible. He's given us his Holy Spirit so that we can do this. So this morning, may you receive this renewed life that's made possible because of Jesus. And may it awaken new passions and loves and fires in you that you can take and give to the people in your life so that they can also come alive and we can experience the true love of God that Jesus says is possible here.
in the church. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I pray that uh, you would help us help us to uh, place our lives into your hands um, and to trust you, to trust that, uh, that you desire for us the best things of life. And the way that we find them is through you and your way. Make us dedicated to this way. And in the end, may we understand that all that's left is love. Everything else will leave, but the love we shared will last forever. In your precious and holy name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.